Well, good morning. We're con- continuing in our Perfectly One series this morning. And just before we do that, you know, we're singing that last song, What a Mighty God, you know. Just the words came to me that, you know, the, the Jewish people in Hebrew, they referred to him as the El Shaddai, which means the Almighty One. And uh, so if you're going through a moment in your life where you need God, and, uh, and, and you're just praying out and like, God, I need you. You're not just praying to like just a God with a small G. You're not praying to someone who's not even just mighty. You're praying to the almighty one, the one who is above everything. And so you can rest assured in the fact that God is on your side. The almighty, the El Shaddai is on your side. That's an amazing truth. And once you start to understand that, you start to realize, wow, If God is on my side, then if God is for me, then who can be against me? Nobody when God is for us. So, well, we're continuing our our Perfectly One series today, like I said. And Chris did an amazing job over the last two weeks uh, of uh, just really talking about how we need to be formed to be more like Christ. Uh, I enjoyed some of the questions he asked last week. And some of them I'm still even thinking through my mind today. How do I even answer some of those questions? Uh, But uh, he mentioned just during the announcements um, that he's going to be beginning this this, uh, kind of like Bible study small group. Group, um, uh, called um, the good, the good and beautiful God, and let me just uh, just get, give a, a shout out to that book and that series. It's by a guy called James Bryant Smith, um, who is a, a, a professor of Friends University in uh, Kansas. But that series is an amazing series. I've read all the books. There's a good, beautiful life, good and beautiful God, and the good and beautiful uh, community. Um, and I've actually heard him preach and sat um, under some of his teaching on some those books. And let me just say, it revolutionized the way I thought about some of Jesus' teachings. Sometimes I would read stuff like, uh, you know, uh, you have heard it says you shall not commit adultery, but uh, if you even lust in your mind, you've committed adultery. I'm like, what does that even mean? I'm like, whoa. And this book just uh, like explains so much stuff. And so, I mean, I've been in the faith, what, now for like 30, uh, 32 years. And it was three years, ago, three, three years ago that I started reading these books. And suddenly things came alive to me. So sign up for that class. Uh, you can all make it to either a Sunday morning or, or a Sunday or uh, a weeknight. And you will not be disappointed. But as we continue in this series, and we started this series at the beginning of the year, and this is our theme for the year, that we believe that as a church, God has called us to come together united to be what, what the, English, uh, uh, the English Standard Version says, to be perfectly one um, in order so that the world will know that God sent Jesus as his son, and Jesus is a son of God, and that God loves them. And that is a prayer from John uh, 17 that Jesus prayed. And so we've looked at a lot of different things uh, already. But today, uh, we're going to get a little bit more practical for you today in what we're going to uh, be, be, be teaching. Uh, and, and so as we begin, have you ever seen somebody who has done something that you think, that is amazing. How can you even do that? I've seen over the years a lot of people with some sort of disability and something that if they didn't have something, then I wouldn't be able to perform a task, but they found another way of doing it. And so I've got a a quick video I want to show you this morning uh, of just a man that I saw this video and it just amazes me what he can do. So take a look at, at just this quick video for a moment. 
Wasn't that incredible? Absolutely incredible. You look at that and you think, how can that guy even do that? It's kind of like a wow factor, like that is impressive. So I tried this week to do my own drawing with my feet as well. So I've got a little picture of it uh, on the screen. And this is kind of like my drawing. So that's as well as I can draw. Do you think it compares to that guy? So this is with my hand. And that guy, yeah, exactly right. You were almost impressed, right? You thought... That was my feet. This is my hand. I even signed at the bottom. So if anyone wants to buy this, then uh, we can go to auction at the end of service and you can buy this. But if that's with my hand and that, that is that guy's feet, that is incredible, right? So we look at that and we think that is amazing. The adaptability for this man is amazing. But there's one problem. It's not normal. It's not normal. See, that man is, has been able to adapt because of his inability to have arms and use his arms. He's been able to adapt. But imagine, I'm watching this and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm imagining if he had arms, how much better of an artist would he be? If he was able to use his hands like the majority of painters, I guarantee his paintings would probably even be even better. See, we look through life and so often it's the abnormal that wows us. We're like, wow, look at that abnormal thing. But it really should be the normal that wows us. Because when you see somebody who can paint with their hands, that is what God designed them to, to paint with their hands. See, feet were never designed to paint. It's just this man has been able to adapt to what he was able to do. So you go into my house, and in my house, there's some roles that we have. Uh, my wife has some roles in our, in, in our house, and I have some roles. And uh, before I mention these roles, uh, we're, they're, they're, they're really not sexist. So just don't, don't think that it's like, oh, wow. It's not. It's just the way it kind of works out. See, I am gifted in some areas that my wife is not gifted. And my wife is gifted in some areas that I am not gifted. So in my house, I take care of the bills. I take care of all the financial stuff and the bills. I've tried to get my wife to take more of an interest in it, but she has more of an interest in spending it than calculating it and working it out. But that's just the way it works. Because this is what's going to happen, and this is very true what would happen if my wife took care of the bills. We probably would start to get some notices saying you are late on your bills or you did not pay your bills. And this is the reason why. Because when it comes to math, she just has no idea at all. It's like it stresses her out. I, I start to explain something to her about a bill and she's just like, I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. I'm like, what do you mean you don't understand it? But then we get to the kitchen, right? We get to the kitchen, and she, I'll come home sometimes, and she's already started cooking. And uh, for me, I may be biased, but I think she's like the best cook in the world. She's better than a lot of chefs that I, I've tasted their food. And she's out there cooking, and then she'll say to me, hey, can you just help me a sec? I'm like, sure, I'll help you. I'm a, I'm a modern man. You know, I'll help you. And, uh, and then she said, can you do this, this? And I'm like, what? How do you do that? She goes, it's simple. Just do this. I'm like, no, no. And in the end, it's like... She's like, get out the kitchen. Get out the kitchen because you don't understand what's going on. And this is the truth. I'm not a very good cook. 
I hardly cook anything. But I can appreciate a good cook. And I appreciate my wife's food when she cooks. But this is the truth. If my wife wasn't around, then I could cook, right? I could figure it out. I could follow a recipe. If not, I could go to the supermarket, get a frozen thing, put it in the microwave, and my son would have food, right? But I could figure it out. But it isn't going to be as good. It's not as good as her because she's gifted in that area. In the same way that she could figure out the bills, right? It would take her a little bit. It would figure, figure out, but it would cause her a lot of stress in her life. And it would probably take her twice as long as it would take me to be able to do the bills. And this is why. Because she is gifted in some areas and not gifted in others. And I'm gifted in some areas and definitely not as gifted in others. See, feet really were made for walking, not drawing. Now, you can adapt your feet to draw, but the purpose of feet were made to walk, not to draw. The hands of Picasso were made to paint. The hands of Alex (laughs) were not made to paint at all. And trust me, this took me a while to do this, I'm telling you. The inability of Alex to cook just makes Raquel's ability to cook even more amazing, and her food even more amazing. See, this is what we find in life. We find that you are good at some things, and you're not good at other things. See, God has gifted you with certain gifts and abilities. You are gifted. Let me say that again so you start to understand, because you may have come in here today like, well, I'm no good at anything, I can't do this or that. God has gifted you with certain gifts and abilities. You are gifted. I want you to understand that truth today. You're not a nobody, you're not just a somebody, you're not just like an average Joe who comes here, you know. You are a gifted person that God has gifted with gifts and abilities. See, you asked me to solve a problem or asked me to sell something that I think is significant and worthwhile and then I can do it. I don't stress about it. Actually, even at times I may have success at doing it. However, Tell me to manage a problem and things start to, so tell me to manage a project and things start to get missed. I can stand here and teach and stand on, on, on this little stage and, and talk to you and have no stress, right? You know, I don't wake up this morning in cold sweats like, oh, I got to speak in front of some people. I can do it and teach and, and with hardly any stress at all. Now, some of you, if I was to ask you to come up here, you would, like, give me, like, the deer stare. Like, what? But you ask me to organize an event. And this is what happens. (sighs) My heart starts beating faster and faster. Suddenly, I get stressed. Why? Because there are certain things I'm gifted in. And there's other things that I'm not gifted in. And the things that I'm not gifted in gives me stress. See, unlike a lot of people and even a lot of celebrities think, and maybe the women don't normally think this, the guys think this more than the women, but there is no one who is the complete package. So let me tell you to single people this morning. There's no one who's the complete package, right? Sometimes you have to bring down your standards a little because nobody is the complete package. 
We are all gifted in some areas and we will fall terribly short in other areas. And this is why we need each other and we need to work together with each other. We need to work together and we, uh, we need each other and we need to work together with each other because this is how God designed us. And this is how God designed the church as well. See, the success of an individual or, or the success of a, a church doesn't or shouldn't hang on the abilities of a few. But it should hang when people come together and use their gifts and their talents and their abilities properly. See, the church of Jesus Christ is a strong church. Jesus says that, that, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. The church of Jesus Christ is a strong church, but it was also designed to be a little fragile as well. And it's fragile for this reason. For if one part falls, we all suffer. And if another part is missing, we cannot be as effective as God designed us to be. So if someone falls, we should all suffer. And if there's a bit that's, a bit that's missing, then we cannot fully function as we ought. So over the last two weeks, Chris gave uh, 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 a scripture to us. And talked around a scripture that's found in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. And I love this verse that he shared with us. And, and this is the verse, if you don't remember, it will be on the screen. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. I love that because it, it shows it's not about what, what we can attain to or, or what we need to get or what we need to work towards. But God has given us everything that we need in order to live a godly life. And I believe that for you as an individual, but I also believe it for the church as well. And what I mean by that is God has a vision and a mission for this church. See, we, we can stand up here and we can have our mission statements and our vision statements. We can have our five-year plan, our 10-year plan. We, we, we can have a succession plan and do all this kind of stuff. But ultimately, God has a vision for this church. And God has given us right now here at Generation Church everything we need to be able to do what God wants us to do right now in this community. Everything. And if there is something that we do not have that God wants us to have, do you know what God's going to do? He's probably going to bring some people in who are able to do what we can't do. So right now, God has a vision and God is saying, I want Generation Church to be this. And I have given Generation Church everything they need in order for them to be this. And so this morning, with that in mind, I want to make four statements to you. And I want these statements to kind of sink in and like a seed and start to germinate in your soul, in your, in your heart. Because as we've been talking about being together as perfectly one as a church so that the world will know that Jesus is Lord and that God loves them, then there's certain things that we need to understand about ourselves as a church. And the first statement I want to give you is this. We are a body made up of many parts. We are a body 
made up as of many parts. That may sound a little strange to you and a little weird. What does that even mean? Well, let me explain to you. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to read a verse. I'm going to start reading from verse 12. And this is what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian church. It says, The human body has many parts, but the, the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ, talking about the church of Jesus Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, some of us are free, some are Americans, some are British, right? We've all been baptized into one spirit, into one body and one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I'm not, I'm not a hand. That does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. So here Paul is saying, just like in a human body, you've got all these different parts of the body. It's the same in the church. You have lots of different parts of the body that come together to form one body. If you're not convinced yet, then let me show you what the Apostle Paul says to the Roman church. He said this in Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 5. He says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. We all belong to each other. So Paul is very, uh, ever, uh, he, 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 he's very strong on this. And he, he talks about it and he says, look, the church isn't just all individual people who just come together on a Sunday morning, sing some songs and go home. No, we are a body. We, we have many parts. We need each other in order to function as the church ought to function. So following from what Paul says, I want to let you know this morning that you belong. You belong. You belong here. You may walk in today and think, well, you know, I, I don't really belong anywhere. I don't really have a place of, uh, of belonging, you know. It's like I, I try to fit in different places, but I never feel like I belong. Let me tell you today, you belong. You belong in the church of Jesus Christ. And here at Generation Church, our arms are wide open to you. And we say that you belong. Before you ever believe, we believe that you belong. Because God is creating you as part of his body. You belong. But not only you belong, I believe you have a place. You have a place. See, you can belong, but there's lots of places out there that won't let you in unless you have a ticket. Or unless you pay a monthly subscription. 
or uh, if there is a space that opens up. If you tried to get a placeholder at the Ravens Stadium to go and watch the Baltimore Ravens, you can't just go to the box office and say, you know what, I want a placeholder. Because there's not enough left. They're all sold out. You've got to wait for one of them to come open so that somebody may can sell it to you. That's not the case in the, in, the, in the body of Christ, in the church of Jesus Christ. You belong and you have a place. There's a place that is open for you. But not only that, you don't just belong and have a place, but you have a part to play. You're not in the audience this morning. You're not a spectator. You're not someone who just came in and says, hey, let me watch the show this morning. You're not a consumer. You have a part to play. If this was a Broadway show, which I'm not sure if we would sell that much tickets if it was a Broadway show. But if it was a Broadway show, you are part of the show. You are part of the play. You have lines to learn. You belong. You have a place. You have a part to play. And with that being said, you are needed. You are needed. There are no backups in the church of Jesus Christ. It's not like you're the quarterback and you get hurt. Well, let's just bring the next guy in. It's all, it's all fine. There's no backups in the church of Jesus Christ. See, God has uniquely gifted you for the, for the, for the work that God wants for you. Now, if you're missing or you're taken out, then someone else is going to come and do some of the work that you've done, but they're not going to be as good as you. Because God has uniquely gifted you for what God wants. So you belong, you have a place, you have a part to play, you are needed, and then also, we are not complete without you. We're not complete without you. For those of you who like cars, you try to take some of the bits of the engine out of the car. There are some bits you can take out, the car won't work at all. There's some bits you can take out, the car's going to sputter. But eventually it's going to get there. But it needs all the pieces working together so it purrs, right? And it's the same with the church. We are not complete without you. So we are a body made up of many parts. The second statement I want to make to you this morning is this. Every person has a gift that is vital. Every person has a gift that is vital. The Apostle Paul said this in that same passage to the Corinthians. He said in 1 Corinthians 12, 22 to 30, he said this. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable, part, honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. He's talking about the body, not people in the church. We all have dignity. He says, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members can care for each other. If one part suffers... All the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. There are some parts 
God has appointed for the church. Now, it's going to give a list. Now, this is not all the parts. This is just some of the parts. Paul says, there are apostles and prophets and teachers. Then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to uh, interpret unknown languages? Then Paul says, of course not. Because we're not the complete package. We have a part to play, but we need to come together. And you're, you have a part and you have a gift that God has given to you that is vital to the church of Jesus Christ. Now, let me, th let me talk about the body for a moment, your body. Some of you love talking about your body. Some of you hate talking about your body. But I'm going to talk about some parts of your body that you, you, you're going to be fine with. Your fingerprints. Look at your fingerprints this morning. If you can see them. Some of you may need to put some glasses on to see them, but that's okay. Put your fingerprints. When we think of fingerprints, this is what we think. We think, you know, someone's just been arrested by the police. They've taken them down to the police station, and now they fingerprint them because it gives us an identity. Uh, this, this, this week, uh, I sent off an application to the United States Immigration Services or whatever to file finally after 10 years for citizenship to the United States of America. You know, let's hope I get it. Well, thank you, thank you. I am becoming one of you. Next, I'm gonna be driving a truck, I'm telling you. So anyway, so I got a notice yesterday that uh, I have an appointment to have my biometrics taken which means they're going to go and fingerprint me. And they're going to take a look at my eye and everything to make sure that they can identify exactly who I am. And that's what we think of fingerprints. But did you know the real reason why you have fingerprints? Grip. That's right, grip. Your fingerprints give a grip to your fingers and a stickiness to your fingers that when you pick things up, they can stay being picked up. Without your fingerprints, a lot of things would slip through your hands. And that's the purpose of fingerprints. So next time you look at your fingerprints, you can say, thank the Lord for fingerprints. I guarantee you went to bed last night, and if you said bedtime prayers or whatever, you didn't say, thank you, Lord, for my fingerprints today. But we should thank God for fingerprints, because without the fingerprints, your fingers would not be able to work properly. There's a part of your body, it's called the freedom of the tongue. So I don't want to see your mouth this morning, but if you, if you lift your tongue up a little, there's like a little cord thing that's underneath your tongue. It's almost like your tongue hasn't been finished. Like God, it's like you didn't finish it off. You should have like sanded it off a little bit. It's not smooth. So it's like this cord. That's a vital part of your body. Because what that does, that stops your tongue from going into the back of your throat and swallowing your tongue. And what happens if you swallow your tongue? You die, right? You die. <laughs> exactly. So that freedom of the tongue is keeping you alive, firstly. Something you're suffocating and swallowing your tongue. It's also helping your tongue stay where it is so your tongue can do what your tongue can do. And that's like taste and, you know, and that's talk. 
and do all that your tongue needs to do. It's an important part of your body. Without it, your tongue cannot function. How about uh, people who do their nails? Anyone, and I'm not going to say ladies or men because, you know, we live in this generation. Some men may do their nails. But you go to the, he- you go to the, like, the salon and you have a manicure, pedicure, you know, right? This is what, I, 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 I'm not sure if all women do this. I know my wife does. She's like pulling her cuticles out all the time. I'm like, shh, pulling out. And sometimes she'll look at my nails. Oh, we need to do something with these cuticles. I'm like, don't touch my cuticles, right? She's pulling them out. And, and they'll do that and they'll pull them so, because they, they get rough and they don't look nice. So look nice, but they're only a vital part of the body. Because what they are doing, they are protecting the ungrown nail that is coming behind it from getting disease and getting infection. And it's helping it and giving it an environment to grow. So next time you look at your fingers and you look at your cuticles and maybe once, like, you know, not in a perfect place where it should be, you should say, thank you, Jesus, that this is protecting my nails from infection. Parts of the body you wouldn't even imagine. So let me ask you today, what function, what role, what is your gift in the body of Christ? You may be a hand, you may be a nose, you may be an eye, you may be the freeman of the tongue. You may be a fingerprint. What is your role? Some seem obvious and very public. Others are unseen. Some support others, but they're no less important. When we think about the church here at Generation Church, you know, I, I'm, I'm more like the face of Generation Church. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm more of a face of Generation Church. But we have, we have some people in our church who are more the heartbeat of Generation Church. You don't see them as much. Or you don't, you don't see what they do. So we have someone like Erin who, you know, she's out, she's out sick today, but she does so much at the church. I remember when we brought Chris on, Chris was just like, I can't believe how much Erin does. I'm like, yes, thank you, Jesus, you know? Because without her, we would fall apart. I think this morning, walking over in the kids' area and dropping my, my son off at the kids' area, you, you, you know, you saw some different ones. Uh, you know, you, you saw Raquel and you saw Heather and uh, I saw Jenny and uh, I saw Laura and, uh, uh, and, and I can't remember who else I saw this morning. But there was different ones and, you know, and you look over there and, and they're doing a vital part of Generation Church but you don't see them as much. But let me ask you, if someone was to damage your face, would you live? Most of the time. If someone was to damage your heart, would you live? Probably not. See, so often in church life, we look at the ones that we can see, the visible ones we can see, but the most important people are often the ones that you don't see. You may not be a musician this morning, I think all senior pastors have this deep desire within them to be worship leaders, right? This deep desire. I'm no, I'm no different. Just can't sing a note in my life. But you look at Zoe leading worship this morning. So last year, Zoe had two Sundays off at the whole year. That's amazing, but also terrible. The commitment's amazing, but the reality is, is she needs more time off than that. And you may think, well, I can't sing. I can't play the piano. How can I help Zoe take some more time off this year? But there are people in our church who can take Zoe's place and take Zoe's role and and fill in for Zoe. But we can't use them because they're being used in other areas of the church and people aren't helping them. 
I think over in the kids' area, we've got people who can, you, can come and help Zoe. We've got others in the church that can come and do different things. And so you think, well, I can't help that. But you can. By using your gifts and abilities, remember, God has given us everything in our church that we need for God, what God wants us to do right now. So what is your gift? What is your role? Where can you fit in? There's a place for you. You are vital to what God is doing in and through this church. And these last two are really quick. Two more statements I've got for you. The next statement is this. Love acts as the ligaments and muscles of this body. Love acts as the ligaments and muscles of this body. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, to earnestly earnestly seek the best gifts, the greatest gifts, the most helpful gifts, he says. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, the one that everyone uses in weddings, he basically says this, that the greatest way to live, the greatest gift is love. For without love, we're just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. We're all talk. Love. This is what love does. Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4, 16, he says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So as the body comes together with the love of Christ, now we are growing and we become healthy, full of love. Then he says again, the Apostle Paul said, writing to the church at Colossae, and he says this in Colossians 3.14. He says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its fullness fill your lives, teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Did you hear that? He says, it's the love that binds us together. It's the love that brings harmony with one another see this is what happens without love we're just skeletons with a few crazy organs inside there's no substance or life with us without love our body is like a body body of jello just there's no muscles there's no ligaments we may look good from a distance We may look good in a photograph. We may even look good in a video. But there's no structure. There's no strength to withstand a push in the wrong direction. Reminds me of Weekend at Bernie's, right? The guy had no life in him. But in the pictures, he looked great. See, it's the love of Christ flowing in and through us that makes us a strong and beautiful body. His love holds us together and gives us shape. So you may be gifted, but without the love of Christ in and through us, then we're like a part of our body that's just left on its own useless. Take your liver, for example. Plays in such an important part of your body. Without your liver, you're going to die. But take your liver out your body and just put it on the side. Let's put a liver right here. You're going to be like, ew. 
It's useless. It has no use. Because it needs to be bound together with the rest of the body. And in the church world, in the church life, we do that with love. And then finally, and this is where we're going to end. The last statement I have for you. This one may seem a little strange, but hang with me for a moment. Christ is the blood. The Holy Spirit is the breath. Christ is the blood. The Holy Spirit is the breath. What happens when someone dies? First time I ever went to a funeral in the United States, it was by chance. I was meeting with someone. They said, I got a quick funeral I got to go to. You want to come? I'm like, sure, whatever, you know. So I'm sitting in the back of this little chapel, and I look, and then suddenly, at the end of the service, they get everyone to stand up. I can't see the coffin at the front. They get everyone to stand up. And I'm like, what are they doing? I whispered to to my friend. He was like, oh, they're going to go and see the body. I'm like, you what? They're going to see the body. I'm like, well, why would you do that? I mean, there's a coffin there. Well, it's an open casket. I'm like, whoa. I'd never seen an open casket at a funeral in my life before. So suddenly I stand up. I'm like, "Um, you know what? I'm just going to hang out back here for a moment. But I've been to lots of them since. I still think it's a little weird, you know, but, you know, it's the cultural thing, right? So you walk by and you see them. And the funeral director and has done them all up. They still don't look perfect like they were, but, you know, they, they may have some makeup on and things like that. And you look at them, and you can tell who it is, right? The face is still there. The arms are still there. I'm not sure what's inside the body, but it looks like all it is. It looks like the person, but they're not alive because there's no blood flowing through their veins. There's no breath in their lungs, in their body. They have no oxygen in them. They're dead. Their heart stops pumping blood and they have a lack of breath. And the reality is, is we can be as gifted as the best. We can work together in harmony and in love as the best. But without Christ, we are dead. And it's Christ who feeds the body with life. He's the one who sends the blood around the body with essential nutrients and gives us life. And it's the Holy Spirit who breathes life into us and gives us breath into our lungs. So we can be the best church in the world, but without the Holy Spirit, we're dead. And so throughout this series, we've been ending each talk with a prayer. A prayer. And we've put some prayers on the screen just kind of so we can focus, okay, what are we praying for today? Well, instead of a prayer on the screen, it's a scripture I'm going to read. And this is what I want us to pray for today. Here at Generation Church, this is what I want us to pray for. And it's a scripture that's found in Ezekiel chapter 37. Some of you, if you've been around the church world for a long time, you're very familiar with this. But all that we've been talking about today, it puts this in perspective, kind of what we need. And this is a vision that God gave to a prophet called Ezekiel. And this is what it says. The Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with dry bones. He led me around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground 
They were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then I watched as the muscles and the flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover the body, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me. And breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. And he goes on to talk about how this represents the people of Israel. And this is my prayer for Generation Church. That we got a lot of bodies that are formed. We got some skin. We got some muscles and some ligaments. We got some parts that are just bones that aren't attached to anything. But this is my prayer is that we will come together like the valley of dry bones. And we will start to form a perfect body, a church that is united as one, that moves together, breathes together, prays together, loves together, cries together, laughs together. That we will be a body that will do the work of Jesus Christ and that is to go and tell the world that Jesus loves them and that there is salvation for sin. There is forgiveness for sin and salvation through accepting the forgiveness of Christ. But I pray that we just won't just look good. We won't just form a, a structure together. An organization that, you know, can do some good here and there. But that the spirit of the living God will come and breathe life into our lungs. That there will be breath in us. That we will be living and breathing. And that the blood of Christ will be flowing through our veins. So that we can ultimately fulfill the mission of Jesus for this church. So that this world around us will know that God loves them so much. 
and that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is Lord, and Jesus gave his life for them. And so this is what I want us to do. In a moment, we're just going to stand and we're going to pray this prayer of Ezekiel. And then we're going to dismiss. Before we do that, some of you may be thinking, okay, well, what is my function? What is my place? How can I help? And there's a couple of ways you can do that. If you instantly know, okay, I'm a musician, man. I suppose I should play guitar, you know. You know, I have some leadership ability. I know I can lead a small group or I can lead a missions team. You know, you say, well, I'm the friendliest person in the world. I'm not the greeter. I should really be the greeter. It's pretty obvious if you know what it is. Then at the back there at the info table, there's like a, a, a little form called Generation Church Opportunities. And they're just some of the things that, you know, we've listed that we need help with. And you can fill that out and just put it in the basket. But if you're still like, you know, I really don't know. I really don't like these things, but I'm going to show you. But it's a good place to get started. So over there on the breakfast bar, there's, there's about 20 of these. If you want, if we run out and you want more, then we can always print more off. But it's like a spiritual gifts test. Uh, and, and what it is, it's just a, a list of answers, uh, questions, and you just answer them. And then at the end, you total up all your answers. And then it basically tells you, okay, these are just some of the spiritual gifts. And the reason I don't like them, because I've taken about a gazillion of these, and they're different every time. But it's just a good place to get started. Like, okay, this is where God has uniquely gifted me and used me. Because the truth is, if you're a foot, you don't want to start acting like a hand. And if you're an eye, you don't want to have to be responsible for the hearing, right? You want to know your unique place. And so in the coming months, we want to give you opportunities so that you can find that uniqueness. Speak to Chris. And he's our our spiritual formation pastor. And so he will help you to, to, to find out your place and what God has designed you to be. As we become a church that is perfectly one, one body, led by one spirit, serving one Lord. So let's stand to our feet this morning. We're going to pray the Ezekiel prayer this morning. And we're going to pray that God is going to bring some dry bones together this morning. And going to use this in an amazing way. So Father God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that we belong. God, we thank you that we have a place God, within your kingdom and within your church. God, we thank you this morning, Lord, that we have a part to play, that we're not just consumers and we just don't stand by and watch other people do stuff. But God, we have a part to play and that we are needed. We thank you, Lord Jesus, Lord, that the church is not complete without us. And so, Father, we thank you for the gifts and the abilities and the talents, God, that you have given us. You have uniquely given us. Lord, this morning we pray that you will use us. Use us in those gifts and abilities and talents. Raise up people, God, to to push this church to, to new levels, God. But this morning, Lord, we come before you and we pray as Ezekiel prophesied this morning. That whether we're a valley of dry bones or we're just some parts that have come together. Father, we pray. 
Lord, that these different parts who are here this morning and those who are part of our church, God, who may not be here this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will start to bring us together and we will connect together. And as the skeleton forms and then the vital organs get put in and, 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 and the muscles and the ligaments start to form and that the skin comes over, Father, we pray, Lord, that you'll bring us together. But ultimately, Lord, we pray that the life of the Holy Spirit will be breathed into us so that we will have breath and we will have life and we will be able to take that life into this community around us in, into the Harford County community and, and beyond Lord with the life of Christ and the message of Jesus that Jesus is the Son of God who came to die a sacrificial death for the sins of mankind and that God loves them so much so Father this morning we pray that you'll start to breathe life upon us this morning we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.